For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Ike, we're into week two of the NFL regular season, and if you want to place a bet on the gridiron action, BetOnline is the place to do it. Hey, you got to bet online, especially if you're rooting for the Vegas Raiders and that game on Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens was an instant classic. I'm so glad I put my money on Bet Online with Bet Online with the Raiders. We're going to talk plenty about that. Ike, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is also brought to you by Balance 7. And Ike, as a former professional athlete, you know all about the importance of replenishing and refueling after workouts, games, what have you. Balance 7 lets athletes do that all over the world. Man, I look at Balance 7, balance seven like I'm going to the gas station. Mark, you got to refuel that body regardless of what you're doing, whether you're just coming from a light jog or some heavy activity. Make sure y'all get that Balance 7 in your bloodline. And you can see how Balance 7 has helped. And right now you can go to balancethenumber7.com and use the promo code BELIEF, that's B-L-E-A-V, and you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to fuel the pH balancing drink Go to work. Again, that's balance the number seven.com and use the code believe B L E A V at checkout. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. And welcome into another edition of the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two time Super Bowl champion and 12 year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. IT, it's defensive appreciation week following a week one win over Buffalo. I am fired up to talk with you today. Pittsburgh Steelers defense flying all around the field, and I want to get right into it. How are you doing this afternoon, my man? I'm really, really excited for today's show. Man, I'm doing good, Mark. Shout out to Sixburg. And damn, a good shout out to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Down 10-0 in Buffalo, coming back to win the ball game. We about to get into details now. Ike, you always talked about how your Steelers defense under Dick LeBeau didn't give up a blade of grass. And I thought we saw that fully on display on Sunday. And the defensive player who's highest paid in the NFL, TJ Watt, proves he's worth his investment with two sacks, a strip sack fumble. But really, it was Cam Hayward, who is the highest graded player on PFF. And so I want to start there from the defensive line standpoint. And the big takeaway I had, Ike, was this. It wasn't that that those two guys got after the quarterback. It was that the Steelers got after Bills quarterback Josh Allen, who threw the ball 54 times in Sunday's game. 
and the Steelers only had to blitz him twice and they still got after him. That's what I saw. What say you, Ike Taylor? It's a bend, don't break defense. Uh, you throwing it 54 times, I expect for you to have over 300 yards. But at the same time, when it comes down to the red zone and I don't have to bring five guys I can get there with four, man, we cooking with gas, as Coach Tyler would say. Now, you talk about Cam Hayward. Now, Tua has been out for a while, but he's in, he's been in and out the lineup just throughout the course of his career due to injuries. You look at a new group. Where first, it was Bud Dupree. Then it was T.J. White. Then you wind up getting rid of Bud Dupree. We're waiting on T.J. White to get signed with this paper. He wind up getting this big cheese. And every penny that he got, he damn near deserved it. And, you show, and we saw that on Monday. But getting back to Cam and his highest grade and what he is to that defense, you take Cam out of the equation. Nobody ain't getting paid. So now I understand. They say the foundation of the defense is that D-line. And all we talk about is everybody else, but the guy we need to talk about consistently is Cam Hayward. He's there every day. He doesn't miss games. And we all know, if you didn't know, I'm letting y'all know right now, if Cam is not on that defensive line, the Pittsburgh Steelers is not winning too many games. 12 pressures, the most of any defensive lineman in the NFL in week one. Ike, the next interior lineman on that list only had six. So he had twice as many. I thought perhaps it was his best game as a pro. And both he and Watt made it a long day for Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen. And so to see that, to see Watt force a fumble, has a league-high 18 forced fumbles since he was drafted by the Steelers in 2017. And in this coming off the heels of his contract extension, they extended Hayward last offseason. They extend Watt on the eve of this season. And you're seeing the Steelers get the return on their investment in week one of the 2021 season. Yeah, we all know what T.J. Watt was last year. T.J. Watt been T.J. Watt for the past, you know, two and a half, three years. T.J. Watt been making Pro Bowls, been selected all pros for the last two years, I think. T.J. Watt, uh, between him and Aaron Donald, when you want to talk about a defensive league MVP, he's coming up in every conversation, you know, the past three years. So T.J. Watt, again, deserved all that money. T.J. Watt sitting out for the preseason, I knew it wouldn't have been an issue because all we've been talking about is how hard he's been working on the side, wait for him to get paid, but everybody's been seeing him grind and see exactly why he's getting paid. He's showing them in person what he does in the offseason. So when he came on the field, on, on Sunday, it was like, man, it's a whole new fresh battery. You know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking like T.J. Watt, because he's a Pittsburgh Steeler, he told his agent, man, this is exactly what I want. It's time for me to get back on the field. I'm about to sign on the dotted line. When you saw T.J. on the field, man, he was like, okay, he's worth every penny. But T.J. Watt is a Pittsburgh Steeler, point blank, period. That's just what he is. All he cares about is playing football to kicking ass. And you see that weekend. <laughs> I love, I love it. And I know you mean business, Ike. And I love the way that the Steelers mixed in Alex Highsmith and Melvin Ingram into that outside linebacker position. Gave Watt some rest as well. And you saw the recipe the Steelers used Watt a season ago when he led the NFL in the regular season with 15 sacks. He played about 83% of the team's snaps. On Sunday, he played 64 out of the 79 defensive snaps. Alex Highsmith had 42 and Melvin Ingram had 51 Mike Tomlin said after the game that he's not going to explain to media members week in and week out what that rotation is because he considers all three players what he calls on the varsity level. So he considers all of them starters. And he also says 
that there could be situations where they use all three players. I'm talking TJ Watt. I'm talking Alex Highsmith and I'm talking Melvin Ingram all on the field at the same time. I like what I saw from all three players making plays for the Steelers on Sunday. So that's the creativity of, of, of DC Keith Butler head coach, coach Mike Tomlin. you know, when, when that's the adjustment being down uh 10 zero in a hostile environment with a hot team ending the season, very hot, even though they lost in the championship. And I'm talking about the Buffalo bills and they had high expectations coming into this season. And this is just the beginning, but at the same time, Everybody kind of frowned upon Pittsburgh. You know, if you if you listen to the commentaries, if you listen to people who, you know, so-called ex- experts, they're looking at Pittsburgh to be like, a, you know, 9 and 9 and 11 team, 9 and 10 team or or, or whatever. But Pittsburgh, whatever I think, the math is, yeah, yeah, I got you, right? Yeah, I think I think that 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 extra game messed me up. But I, I think <laughs> 17, I think, yep. I think internally, you know, that goes to show coaching does mean a lot. You know, going with that high power Josh Allen offense, um, a turnover defense because Buffalo, uh, it's hard for them to stop the run, but at the same time, they cause havoc and they do create a lot of turnovers. And we saw how it ended last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers when they walked into Buffalo. It didn't end well. So Pittsburgh could have went in the tank when it was 10 0, but the fact they adjusted and the creativity between the offense and the defense, and the offense got back to the old offense even though it didn't look like that, even though we're not going to control it totally, I'm talking about the clock in the running game. At least we're going to display the running game well enough for our passing game to have some kind of excitement, which they did on the defensive side. It, it was just, man, just t- turning up the notch, going from junior varsity to varsity, from varsity to college, from college to the pros. And you saw exactly what they did. And they shut down that Buffalo offense in the second half. Getting some revenge from a season ago, too, because this was a Bills team that handed the Steelers their second loss of the 2020 season, and they put out that recipe of how to beat Pittsburgh a year ago. I want to highlight, though, and move to the secondary, and I thought Cam Sutton playing opposite Joe Hayden at that right cornerback position was absolutely terrific. The seven-yard drop he had in the backfield on a fourth-and-one play I thought was a statement play. His ability to tackle from the right cornerback position too, Ike, was something that you talk and harp on here on the Believe in Steelers podcast, it seems, week after week after week after week. And we saw that on full display on Sunday. Your right corner, now, now, I, now I see you listening, Mark. Your right corner on any defense has to be one of your best tacklers. And the reason why, because a lot of your quarterbacks are left-handed. So predominantly, they're going to be looking to the left. All the strength is going to be going to the left-hand side of the defense. So it's going to be a lot of weak spots. So your right corner has to be a good tackler. And what Cam displayed this week was a high IQ football level. You know, he he didn't hesitate what he saw. He trusted he moved and he made plays. And to to be honest with you, if you want to give somebody not even the highest grade, but just the MVP of that defense for that game, you got to give it to Cam Sutton. I'm with you there because that was one of the big question marks we had going into the season, Ike, is who's going to step up opposite Joe Hayden, who's going to step up in that nickel position with the Steelers rotated throughout Sunday's game. And most impressively, I thought, was holding Stefan Diggs to less right. than 70 receiving yards. So why right. is that a big deal? Last season, Stefan Diggs, who led the NFL in receiving receptions and yardage, there were only two games a year ago where teams held him 
with less than 70 yards and scoreless. And the Steelers did that on Sunday. And I, I want to go back to Sutton as well. He was a guy when I worked in Knoxville, Tennessee, I was at the NBC affiliate there, WBIR. He played at Tennessee while I was there uh, in the two seasons under Butch Jones and Alvin Kamara and Josh Dobbs were the big stars for the Tennessee volunteers when I was there. Uh, this was 2015 through the 20 through 2017, the time I spent there. But Cam Sutton on the defensive side of the ball was the playmaker for Tennessee. And it's awesome to see him when he's getting his opportunity at the NFL level now, when he needs to perform and he needs to shine that he did that certainly on Sunday. And again, we came into the season with that as a huge question mark for the Steelers. But if game one is any indication of what's to come for Cam Sutton this season, I think this actually might be a position of strength. Whereas, again, going into the season, it was more of a question mark. It's just Cam Sutton time. You know what I'm saying? And I think Cam, look look at it like a lot of balls going to get thrown my way because of high-level respect for, for Joe Hayden. You know, Joe have displayed over the course of his career – you can't fool him too many times, and if you keep trying him, he going to wind up making some plays on you. So mm-hmm. where do you go? I got to go to the left side. I got a guy that's his first year starting because if I'm offense coordinator, I'm going to think and do the same. So I'm going to go on Cam's side. And the way Cam held his own, now he's going to have to do this at least for four games for, mm-hmm. for people to believe for people to believe that's, that wasn't just a fluke game. So Cam hold that, that side down for the next four or five games Mark, and we already know what, what Joe Hayden is doing on that side. It's going to be hard to beat that team, bro. I'm going to go ahead and let you know that. But if that's that's the only thing I say with Cam. He started off hot, and as a corner, you got to start off hot because you got to have a lot of confidence. But I'm sure Cam is thinking the same way I would have thought. This is my first year starting. They're not going to really try a veteran guy like Joe Hayden because he makes them pay. I got to be able to get on that level. And the only way I would get on that level is being consistent in the more games and the more the more times I keep my tape hot, like Coach Tom used to say, keeping your tape hot, that means you're making plays after plays after plays after plays, the more they'll leave you alone. So, man, if Cam started doing this, and this is inside this is inside and out, because, of course, he plays the nickel inside when they go to the nickel pa- packages. Well, if Cam started doing that, man, you got to watch out for this defense, man. It's going to be hell because you're already getting that pressure from that front seven. To piggyback off that too, like we both know that Joe Hay- Joe Hayden at the age of 32 in a contract season is going to right. be very, very greedy. And I expect him to right. play at that Pro Bowl level at that left cornerback position this season because he's going to want to get that one last contract before, okay. he f- had, before he fades into the twilight of his career, before he gets into the back nine of his career. So we know he's going to be very, very opportunistic. And he's done that throughout the course of his career reading right-handed quarterbacks from the left-handed uh from the left cornerback position. I mean Joe Joe got over 100 million. So of course he he he, he doing more than being greedy. One he want to win a championship. He got a tape worm a tape worm in his stomach. All them damn contracts he been getting all that good money. He been getting getting as well. So I'm just happy for Joe. But at the same time, man, Joe going Joe going to feel the same way. Like y'all ain't want to pay me my money. Of course, y'all wanted, y'all know I want to end my career as a Pittsburgh Steeler because I love the city. So I'm going to go ahead and do what I need to do. And him doing what he need to do is making plays, 
getting picks, especially in the postseason, because Pittsburgh will make the postseason. Getting them interceptions in the postseason, come back, come back at 33, sign a three-year deal. It's going to be three for 30, and we'll talk about this in the offseason next year, Mark. Psychic Ike is out on the pod yet again today here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Ike, what did you mean by the, the tapeworm? A tapeworm. So when you got a tapeworm in your stomach, that means your stomach uh-huh. is always empty, like you're never full. So uh-huh. that's how I'm looking at Joe Hayden all his contracts. He'd have had contracts after contracts after contracts after contracts after contracts, and he can retire and live good for the rest of his life. But no, Joe want to get some more money, some more money, some more money, some more money, some more money. So that's what I call that tapeworm in your stomach. I got you, Ike. When I was watching the first half of the Bills game on Sunday, Ike, it was the tale of two halves. And initially I'm taking notes and watching the game and I'm like, oh, man, are we going to be talking Monday just about the struggles of the offense, not putting up any points in the first half? And then the, the switch flipped. And I understand part of this is the Steelers have a very young roster playing several rookies on Sunday at many different key positions. Najee Harris at running back, Pratt, Pat Fryermuth at tight end, Kendrick Green and uh, Dan Moore along the offensive line, Norwood in the secondary and Presley Harvin at the punter position. So that part of it is that, but then, a lot of the adjustments made at halftime too. And then the Steelers scored 20 straight points. But to me, I, I know, and we're going to talk about special teams play on the punt block and everything too, but the opening drive in the third quarter out of halftime, there was a key moment in the game. And I went back and watched some of the game in preparation today for today's show. Ike is early on that drive. Kendrick green got into a scuffle with one of the bills, defensive linemen. And that to me set the tone right then and there where it's like we know that our performance isn't going to cut it in the first half and we are going to do our best to impose our will on the buffalo bills defense the steelers go and score on four straight possessions so it's like okay they didn't get touchdowns on all of those but they finally started to move the ball in the second half and they made those key adjustments where in the first half it was like can the Steelers offense do anything because you're putting so much pressure on your defense. And it was, that was also reflected. Ike, you talk about controlling the clock in time of possession in the first half, the Steelers only had the ball for 12 minutes. So I, I credit the coaching staff to make those adjustments, but really the, the key point in the game came in. There was a scuffle with, with Kendrick green, with one of the bills defensive linemen. It was very, very brief at the very start of the third quarter, but that to me set the tone for Pittsburgh in the second half. That's exactly what you want from your offense and defense alignment. You want some bar fight, brawling kind of guys. That needs to be their mentality. Like, they're not putting up with no mess. They got a low tolerance. They got high self-esteem. And they got a very short temper. That's what you need, guys. That's how I want guys to play in the trenches. Them the kind of guys I played with in the trenches when we was winning the Super Bowl. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do agree with you. That, that set the tone for the second half, like, Bro, I ain't to be messed with. You know, I, I I want to use the other word, but I can't use the other word. So, and, and, but that that corrals the whole team. The whole team feeds off of that kind of energy. So now it's like, man, you done mess with my brother. Whether he's my young brother or my big brother, you done mess with somebody in the family. And like you said earlier, after that, the whole team just kind of took off from the offense and the defensive standpoint. 
Something I want to address too, Ike, is I really liked what I saw from the Steelers defense before we moved to special teams in the offensive side of the ball. Not quite ready to award the Steelers best defense in the NFL yet, but I really liked what I saw on Sunday. And if that is an indication of what Steelers defense shows up in the 2021 season, the offense just has to be like competent even for this to be a very good football team. Yeah, with that defense they got, they top 15. You know, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, they're getting – Pittsburgh offense getting the top 15, they got action, Mark. And what I, what I want to see from the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is when they started meeting the Cleveland Browns, the L.A. Rams, these teams who like the like to hold the ball and put that thing on the ground, then I'd be able to tell what kind of defense we have. But until then, if, it, if everybody think they're going to pass on the Pittsburgh Steelers, they think it wrong because they got too many guys who can get to the quarterback – in my mind, as a defensive coordinator, I want to see how we respond to a team who has a mean running game. So that's the attitude game I'm looking for. That's the Scobert who I got from 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 Jacksonville. That's Devin Bush coming back. My linebackers in the inside who I got who they want them kind of ball games. It's cool with the win in Buffalo games, but I'm sure them two guys sitting in the middle who I just mentioned, man, they want them low down, dirty. 10 to 7 kind of games and and I want to see when they play the Cleveland Browns and these teams who could actually run the ball then I'll be able to to put my opinion and see if they the best team best defense in the NFL but of course the Pittsburgh still the defense they had a hell of a start you know coming back holding their own against a high power offense but I would like to see them uh, play a team who's more balanced, so a team who can pass and run a little bit more on the run side because when you run the ball on somebody, basically you're telling me you can't stop me and I'm more of a man than you. So that's that's what I want to get to. So that's what I want to see, Mark and Mark, when it comes down to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Okay, we're going to move to special teams and offense, but first we're going to take a quick break to tell our listeners and viewers about a new presenting sponsor of the Believe in Steelers podcast, and that is Play Action Pools. And Ike, our listeners and viewers will be able to play against against us and other Believe Podcast Network hosts in picking the 10 highest profile games between college football and the NFL week in and week out. And so we have a new contest our listeners can participate in to be able to interact with us. Man, that's what I love about play action, man. It just reminds me, you know, when you got a good good game going on in, in, in the league and, and your running game is going so smooth, all because off of that play action, it opened up the pass game. So y'all might as well go, go to the play action. Might as well go to the play action pool and check them boys out. All right, so here's how it works. You sign up for our contest. It is Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pick'em at playactionpools.com. You get your picks in each week. Again, the 10 highest profile games between college and the NFL. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Ike, I know you're the king of swag, so you know all about the having fancy shades. Oh, 100%. Um, I'm not as cool as you, Mark, but I like to put myself on a pretty swaggy level. So, yeah. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for a contest. Believe football. Pick them to participate there. Ike to special teams. Did you have it on your bingo card? Ulysses Gilbert scoring a touchdown off a block punt by Miles Killebrew. No, I didn't. But at the same time, Mark, that's and this is what I tell people, man. You win games 
off of special teams. You know, the, 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 the better your special teams, the better your team will be. I think people forget there's three phases to football because we get so caught up in offense and defense. The true football fans understand how good special teams is. So to actually score, either you're scoring – when you score on defense or special teams – you put your team in a hell of a position to win the ball game. I forgot the percentage. I think it's like I think it's close to ninety something percent when you score in defense that you should win a ball game. I'm sure that percentage is even higher when you do have a good defense when you score on special teams. So the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers not only did good on offense of adjusting coming back in the first to the second half, not only the defense turns it up like eight notches and, and getting to the quarterback and creating turnovers and getting off on third downs in the second half. But goddamn, you got the special teams also scoring. So it's going to be hard to beat Pittsburgh if they can continue not only on offense and defense, but the special team side to score points or put teams in uh, and put teams in bad situations or good situations for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it started out a little shaky, like allowing a 75-yard kickoff return to start the game. But beyond that, I mean, we talked about Chris Boswell going into the season, having a new placeholder in Presley Harvin the third, and then a new long snapper in Christian Kuntz this season. And he went five of five. So he hit all three of his field goals and hit two extra points in the game. The epitome mm-hmm. of consistency, one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL. And then this right. was really a theme throughout the weekend too, Ike, because I know you watched that Browns Chiefs game and the botched punt by Cleveland really cost them and allowed Kansas City to come back in that game. So the importance of special teams on full display this weekend in the opening weekend of the NFL. Man, we saw we saw with Cleveland. It took the air right out of them, and it gave Patty Mahomes a, a, a whole new outlook, a whole breath of fresh air. Cleveland would have put them in a bad situation. Their defense was playing pretty good at the time. Uh, they would have probably got three points or probably would have got off the field, and Cleveland would have gave the ball back to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubbs. But the fact that the punter had fumbled the ball that put the, the, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs right back in a good situation, a good field position, they wind up just taking it from there. So, like you say, man, that is the importance of special teams, man. When your special teams is clicking on all cylinders, you damn near going to have a good team regardless of whether it's helping the offense or the defensive side. All right, Ike, I want to move to the offensive side of the ball. And I, I thought there were some struggles. Again, this comes with the understanding that you're starting two rookies along your offensive line. So I want to start there and the need to get Zach Banner back healthy. I read a report that, The plan is to get him back in week four against the Green Bay Packers. So the sooner they can get him back, he was a guy who was a starter a year ago, but had a knee injury, forced him to miss the rest of the season. I think the better for this line. A few other takeaways I had, too. I know Najee Harris played in all 58 offensive snaps. I don't think that's ideal, but Mike Tomlin says, you know, he's a highly conditioned guy. He's coming in fresh as a rookie. I don't want to have him, you know, bear too much of the load early on. But again, only 58 snaps. Um, I, I thought the offense played better in the second half. Now, if they play the way that they did in the first half against a higher powered offense, a team that could put up a lot of points on the board, I did have some concern that if Buffalo had even gone up, say, 13, Ike, that can the Steelers even mount a comeback down only two scores? That was a little bit of my nervousness, but they did make adjustments in the second half, and you saw 
when Big Ben had time to throw what he could do throwing downfield to his receivers because that receiving core made plays in the second half. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too concerned on the offensive line. I mean, just because they're rookies, I expect to struggle a little bit, but I I expect to struggle on the go. When I look at the offensive line and when I look at a team, they probably have the closest bond other than the secondary guys because it's a lot and you need that bond because – Y'all guys got to be on the same page. Y'all guys, I mean, offensive line guys got to be on the same page all the time. They got to communicate all the time. The same thing in the secondary. Us, we can we can be off from the front seven, but if all of us on the same page on the back end, we're not giving up a touchdown. If one of us is off in the secondary, we're giving up a touchdown. The same way when the offensive line, when you don't communicate with the offensive line, and you don't relay or you don't pick up the hot read or the mic, you can't relay that to the tight end or the running back behind you, so it messes up everything. But as far as, like, camaraderie and guys figuring it out ASAP, it's going to be that offensive line. I think them boys are, my my personal opinion, just offensive line guys I know, they're the closest-knit group out of everybody on any team. That's just how it is. So the two rookies on the offensive line, they understand, man, we rookies. That don't mean we got to play like rookies. And, yeah, they struggled in the first half, but the second half, they button everything up. So I'm not worrying about that. I think they're going to put Najee on the pitch count because they understand it's 17, it's 17 games in the NFL now. So I think Coach get it. Um, he's not going to be stubborn and be like, man, even though we have a workhorse, we're going to run him in the ground. Um, they're going to mix him and, and McFarlane in and out for a little change up, whoever they play or whatever the situation is in the game. But I think that's very smart. I think it's very smart for a rookie like Najee in the load you want him to have at the end of the season. I think Pittsburgh is looking at, you know, November, December football when guys don't want to hit the young man because it's cold and he's coming downhill. And now he's clicking with the offensive line because he's in the rhythm. So they're going to pitch count him to November, December. My personal opinion, Mark. I'm with you there, Ike. I know you want to give credit to the dually trucks and the guys doing the grunt work on the interior. I want to give praise to the Cadillacs and the Ferraris and the Maseratis on the outside. Two incredible catches that were on SportsCenter Top 10. Deontay Johnson's touchdown catch in the corner. The concentration was incredible. And how about that leaping grab that Chase Claypool in year two had over – uh, what's my guy from Buffalo? The bill was it Tre- Tredavious White, a leaping Tredavious grab. Yeah. Yes, yes, an absolutely incredible catch. Those two plays I thought were outstanding. Both players' athleticism on full display and the level of concentration. I thought those were two huge plays in the second half for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean it too. I mean it too. You know, you you got a you got a Cadillac CTS that they got a V12 engine, and I'm talking about Chase Claypool. And you got a Ferrari who can ski skirt, and I'm talking about Deontay Johnson. And you got it, and I look at Deontay as like a very electric kind of playmaker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all know what Chase can do, and Chase can catch a slant. He can take it to the crib because he can take the punishment. I think people forget how big Chase Claypool is. He's six four and a half, almost six five. That's a big guy. He just so happened to be very athletic, and he can move. You know, so when I look at Chase, man, I, I, I look at Chase like. Well, regardless on the situation, seven will throw the ball up to Chase because he feel like he coming down with the ball. If seven is in the red zone, um, and he feel like he got a a better option with Deontay on the weak side because you know you got to be a good tackler 
on the right side of that of that of that defense, any defense, but it kind of it's it's a gift and a curse. The coverage skills kind of go down a little bit. So you got a guy who's electric, like a Deontay Johnson. I'm sure he has no, he have a lot to prove off of the drops he had last year. So you already know it's on his mind coming this year. Every ball that comes his way, he's gonna be looking to catch all of them. So and you got Chase. He understands his rookie year is over. He's matured as a as a as a professional. Uh, he's it's his first time in this offense, but the second the second year with Big Ben. So these guys, these guys just coming off a of, off a of good okay years last year, but now they got a full steam ahead. There was no COVID this year. Everybody got an opportunity to go through mini camp, training camp, et cetera, et cetera. So the bonding and the timing was everything this year. We're gonna start to see this with the young wide receivers from the Pittsburgh Steelers and a great relationship they have now on and off the field with seven. Hang on a second, Ike. I'm going to go full Yinzer here. Chase Claypool's 11 touchdowns tying a Steelers rookie record is just an okay year. If that's an okay year, the ceiling on him as a wide receiver in year two is going to be immense. I'm proud of you, though, Ike, because this is now, I believe, like our 95th episode approaching 100. I'm saying the the okay year for me is like the MEs, the mental errors. His his physical attributes, he can get if he get ten touchdowns for the rest of his career, man, he going to the Hall of Fame. But for me, it's like the more mental errors, um, him not being on the same page as seven all the time. I think now because you know COVID is not such a big issue because you have mm-hmm. to be vaccinated now, and it's a high percentage of the Pittsburgh Steelers guys who are vaccinated. Now they can really you know get that bonding time, and that bonding time is more in the offseason with the one-on-ones and between him and the wide receiver, between Big Ben and the wide receiver crew, them boys has been spending a lot of time together. So that's that's just how I look at it. And, and what I want to say about Chase, Chase balled out last year with 11 TDs, but I'm talking about more of the mental part of the game. I'm proud of you, though, Ike, because we're approaching 100 episodes now. You finally referred to Big Ben as seven without explaining that you're talking about Ben Roethlisberger. If people are still watching and listening to this show, you should know whenever my guy, Ike Taylor, says seven, he's either talking about a touchdown or more often than not talking about Big Ben at the quarterback Correct. position. I'm proud of you, Ike. Hey, that's, I'm, you, so, you so tuned in. I mess with you. I mess with you, Mark. I appreciate you for understanding me. Week one overreactions outside of the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game, Ike. And I'm going to open up here. The NFC North, all four teams are 0-1 entering week two of the season. My overreaction is this. The NFC North is the new NFC East, the worst division in football. We don't know what the heck's going on with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. They'll probably regroup after getting absolutely spanked by this the Saints in week one. Kirk Cousin, the Vikings, do I need to elaborate? The Bears and their struggles with their quarterback dilemma, and then the Lions with Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, what have you. The reason why this fares well for the Steelers, though, is the Steelers play the NFC North in the 2021 season. So that's my big overreaction in week one, is that the NFC North might be the worst division in football, might be what we saw as the weakest division a year ago was the NFC East. NFC North is the new NFC East. What say you, Ike Taylor, week one overreactions of everything you saw in the opening week of the NFL? 
Yeah, so I'm I'm checking I'm checking mine right now. I'm checking the NFC North, and this then this is what I'm talking about: the Pittsburgh still a defense in the run game. You know, Vikings gonna come in with Dalvin Cook and try to pound you and get a little play action pass with Justin Jefferson, former All Pro rookie guy. Um, you look at the Lions. The Lions didn't do bad rushing the ball either. You know, they just they wind up just losing the game. They was on their way back. They just ran out of time with the Detroit Lions. Then you look at the Bears. If you watch that Monday night against the LA Rams. Man, if they just could have stuck, if they they ran out of time too, it was a few plays they ran out of time. But you want to talk about having a mean running game? The Bears got a mean running game as well. The only team who really don't have a good running game right now, I would say, is the Packers. So when I'm looking at this NFC North, yeah, it's all of my zero and one in their division. But how I'm looking at it from a from a defensive coordinator standpoint, I got the Bears, the Lions, and the Vikings, and what I know. If anything, what they want to do and establish, it's gonna try. They're gonna try to establish that run. So now as a DC, I need to see what my guys at when it come down to that running game. Because when you're trying to establish the run, you're trying to establish the clock. And when you're trying to establish the clock, man, that's a recipe for a disaster for defenses. So yeah, I get it. It's still early. It's just one game. But how I'm looking at it, what we talked about earlier in our show, Mark was is Pittsburgh still the best defense? Right now, they got opportunities to be. But when you play in the Vikings, you know they're going to run it. When you play in the Lions, you know they're going to run it. When you play in the Bears, you know they're going to run it. The Packers, I think they're just going to leave it up to Aaron Rodgers and let him do what he do. So, yeah, then I, I, I want to see exactly, you know, how this unfolds at the end of the year, how the Pittsburgh Steelers in a, in a rush defense do against the AFC, the NFC North, my bad. No, you're, you're good, Ike. You're making the Chicago followership we have because that's where I'm from, Ike, a lot better considering Montgomery did have 100 yards yeah, against hey, a Rams defense that didn't Mark, allow one a season ago. Bro, and Montgomery, so, Montgomery was running his tail off. You can say what you want to say. Yep. That young man was hitting the hole, and he was hitting the hole with a lot of violence on his mind. So and that's what I'm saying with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh got to get their mind right and don't and don't let Justin Fields be in that backfield. So now you're gonna have two runners. Usually when you got a quarterback who really can't move, it's ten on eleven. So now I'm just now I'm doing stuff schematically. Now you put Justin Fields back there, it's eleven on eleven, and then we're gonna have hell back there. So I'm telling you, watch out for the Chicago Bears. It's just gonna be a matter of time because Andy Dalton didn't pass over fifteen yards that game. Watch out for Justin Fields and watch out for this offense because they got a defense. They just need the offense to catch up. Ike, we go out west. The NFC West is a gauntlet yet again. Each, all four teams start out 1-0. and uh-huh. And it's always dangerous doing live math here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. But Chandler Jones right now after week one getting five sacks is due for an 85-sack season. He was incredible in week one, and the Cardinals absolutely destroyed the Tennessee Titans in week one. But Mm -hmm. the NFC West is a gauntlet yet again, something we saw. It's been a common theme the last few years. I think that could be a division where you have three playoff teams yet again. We'll see how that shakes out. But uh, the 49ers are going to be back, too, because they were decimated by injuries. They hung on to win against Detroit. But I, I thought the West looked awfully good in week one. Yeah, I'm looking at the West and the standards, and I'm looking at the points allowed. So the Rams only gave up 14. The Cardinals only gave up 13. The Seahawks only gave up 16. So if I'm the 49ers and I and I pride my hat on a good running game and a and a nice and a real nice defense, man, I'm looking at this, at this division. All us putting on points, but 
out four out of three out of four teams, um, the the San Francisco 49ers, they're not looking too well on that defense. So they got to tighten up on that defense because these guys just giving up 16 points. And that was the Seattle Seahawks. So and then you look at, OK, who I look at the quarterback situation. Who's the worst quarterback in this NFC West? I had to think about that. That's an excellent question, Ike. Because, I mean, Russell Wilson, I'd imagine, is going to be at the top. Kyler Murray looked really good. What's okay. he in year three now? So I'd, I'd start with Russell at the top. Okay. Here, go- here's the thing, too. I know everyone's not high on Jimmy G, but he's at least been to a Super Bowl before, right? Like, do I think Jimmy G's. You, you, so who, who, who are you taking, Matthew? So I'm looking at. I answer the question. I think I would go Russell Wilson, Stafford. It's like 3A, 3B, Kyler, and then Jimmy G, I guess. But it's like. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you can, if you're going to start your franchise, Mark, from the NFC West, from the NFC West, who are you drafting last? You drafting Jimmy G last. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that's what I'm saying. Like, Chicago, this this gonna be. And I agree with you. Three 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 teams coming out of this division, and right now, and how I'm looking at it, how we just broke it down. Who are you drafting the quarterback wise? If you're gonna start off a franchise from the NFC West, and you saying Jimmy Garoppolo, you go Garoppolo, you gonna draft last? Huh? Well, this is a tough division. This gonna be well, a not tough just division. well, not just that, but I know Trey Lance got in on the mix and had a touchdown pass too. So say they bring him in. I don't know, mid-season, whenever he's ready. It might not be till 2022. We don't know. But how could that change that division as well if Trey Lance comes in and has success around a team where you've got a lot of talent around him too, Ike? So, you know, if we ask that again, that question again, say midway through the season, are we having a different conversation given what Trey Lance brings to the table? Or if Jimmy G can hold him off and return to form, again, this was a quarterback who was in the Super Bowl just, what, two years ago? Yeah, but uh, th- th- this is a business decision. I I think this is a business decision, and they just letting Jimmy G start. But if you just ask the guys who actually play with Jimmy G or Trey Lance, they would rather Trey Lance start. He just got that it fact. The same thing in Chicago. It's a business decision to let Andy Dalton start. If you ask the players who they want to start, they would say Justin Fields. That's just how it is. You can tell by the body language of the team when these guys come onto the field them two guys, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, they just got the it factor. Well, you always say the sideline tells the story, Ike. And with right. those two touchdown plays, uh, Fields had a running touchdown, and then Lance had a throwing touchdown. Watch the reaction of the teammates. You always say the sideline tells the story, Ike. And that the yep. body language tells you everything you need to know. Yes, yes, 100%. Ike, Ahead of Sunday, week two, the Raiders come into Pittsburgh, into Heinz Field to take on the Steelers, 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. First time Heinz Field's going to have fans since the 2019 season. I can't wait to see all the fans waving the terrible towels on Sunday. The return of fans is going to be fantastic. I, I cannot wait. Yeah, Pittsburgh still is going to go out on tell the Raiders, man. Y'all shouldn't even came out on the East Coast. <laughs> I think the Pittsburgh still is going to give them a good old-fashioned butt whooping. My personal okay, opinion. Okay, wow. So, and that's that, that's that's how I feel. You know, I, I think uh, emotionally, that was a very tough game against the Baltimore Ravens, emotionally and physically. You also say, 
But against the Pittsburgh Steelers on the offensive side, you got a team who's who's balanced. You know, I look at the Ravens, um, it's a lot on Lamar. I think they asked Lamar to do a whole lot. Pittsburgh Steelers, they finally got the tight end and Fairmont, um, a young stud, and he's going to be real good real soon. Then you got Najee, another stud in the backfield. Then you got Seven, and he got all these disposable weapons on the outside. So I think it's going to be tough. And we ain't even talking about that defense and what the heck they done did to the Buffalo Bills with this high-power offense. So, man, I think Pittsburgh on this one for the home opener, and I will be there. I think they're going to give the Ravens a good old-fashioned butt whooping. And before that game, I got to make sure I go to bet online and play action, and I need to refuel myself with PH7 because I know I'm going to be dehydrated, screaming and yelling at the stadium. I, this is incredible. Like This is incredible. The way you were able to bring everything together is absolutely incredible. I've got the Steelers winning. I don't have them covering. I've got the Raiders covering what is now a five-and-a-half-point spread. Steelers are favored at home. But my final score prediction, I got the Steelers 27, Raiders 24. I do think they win at home. Do you have a score prediction, Ike, for Sunday's game? Again, uh, Steelers favored by five and a half now. 28-17. Okay. You heard again. I mean, I can't wait to watch. And there's going to be a lot to break down on next week's show, Ike, because you've got the matchup of Raiders rookie Alex Leatherwood going up against TJ Watt. The fans back at Heinz Field. Hey, Alex Leatherwood didn't do bad either. Other than Mm -hmm. that five-yard penalty during crunch time on the goal line when he went off sides. Other than that, he played his butt off. And we we talked about him on our show when it came down to the offense line. And people need to go back and start paying attention in the offseason when it comes to this draft and who we talk about. He was one of the guys that we did talk about on this show, Mark. One of six Alabama first-round draft picks, Ike. Uh, And Mike Tomlin spoke highly of him this week during his media availability, too. So I wonder if he would have been there at 24 when the Steelers have picked him. That means he was on the radar. If Coach T get to talking about players and they're not on his team, that means they was on our radar. You just wasn't there late enough for our draft pick. There you go. Can Derek Carr continue his week one success because he had the walk-off touchdown pass? Can you stop Josh Jacobs in the backfield? Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And then you've got uh, Ed Rutgers, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngankwe, Carl Nassib as well coming off the edge from a defensive standpoint for the Las Vegas Raiders. It's still weird for me to say Las Vegas Raiders just because I grew up with the Oakland Raiders for so many years, Ike. But I will say this before we sign off here, just a few more things to get to before we do. But Sunday's win against Buffalo is a good omen for the Steelers, and here's why. Under Mike Tomlin, when the Steelers have made the playoffs, they've made the playoffs seven out of eight seasons when they win in week one. So again, uh, you've got the Steelers covering on Sunday. I've got them winning, but I've got the Raiders covering the spread. Uh, two things really quickly before we sign off here, Ike. Saw that Mac Brown had a met up with Steelers GM Kevin Colbert, North Carolina. Sam Howell, the quarterback for the Tar Heels, potential Steelers quarterback of the future. So I, I, I know I, I tagged you in Twitter if you saw that. Uh, Kevin Colbert, like you say, he's a slick son of a gun. That ain't no smoke and mirrors. 
They just throwing that. They just throwing that out there. They know exactly what they're doing. They ain't fooling nobody. I've been knowing the Pittsburgh Steelers long enough. I like that move. Now we now see they got us talking about this, and and we just in the first week for for uh for the NFL, and we talking about Kevin Colbert and this slick and this slick stuff slide down to to Chapel Hill and checking out a, a quarterback. But understand where they might go though, even though they're looking, even though they might not get him because I'm expecting this guy to be a high round draft pick. They're looking at a quarterback. I think the next quarterback, they will not be showing any pictures. They just throwing that out, though. Okay, okay. And then Thursday night, Ike, Giants at Washington football team. Daniel Jones hasn't lost to Washington yet in his career, but I'm going to take Washington favored at home by three and a half. I think they cover at home. I like that defense in an NFC East matchup. Yes. I don't want no Heineken. Give me a Heineken. I'm liking Taylor Heineken at that quarterback position for the Washington team and that defense. I like what they got going on. I'm sure they got something to prove because last week they kind of got manhandled. You know, don't don't four first-round draft picks ain't, ain't do too, too well. But the fact that Taylor Heineke came in the game and we saw what he possessed, and he, he ran out of time just as well. So I think he's going to still kick it off and what he did in the playoffs on, on getting them boys excited and almost beating Tampa Bay again and so i think the team just they they feel better when taylor is at quarterback my personal opinion so i also have the washington team winning and i'm gonna go with you by the three points something about the name taylor 100 percent. i i think that just about wraps up our show here on the believe in steelers podcast today you already gave a shout out to all of our sponsors but again Bet online, play action pools, and balance seven. I want to give a shout out to you, Ike, my co-host. You're the absolute best. The Believe Podcast Network and the folks over at Brinks TV, led by John Brinkus, Courtney Vargas, and my guy Herbert, who filled in last week and did an excellent job. So thank you to the yes, yes. Thank you to the Brinks team, and again to you as well, Ike. I appreciate you, man. I got to give a shout out to Bet Online. If anybody want to do some kind of better, man, make sure y'all go to Bet Online. Go to play action pool. And if you dehydrated or something or you just feeling kind of woozy because you had a tough workout, make sure y'all go to pH seven to get that refill. We call that 93 octane, that premium, baby. So giving a shout out to Brinks TV, give a shout out to my dog, Marky Mark, one of my best guys in the world. Miss Courtney Hook crew from Brinks. Appreciate y'all. Believe in still this podcast. Appreciate y'all for giving me and Marky Mark this opportunity. Want to thank Everybody for tuning in and listening. Make sure y'all five-star us, please. Review and rate. IT in this thing with my dog, Marky Mark, Believe in Steelers podcast. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. Take care and so long, everybody. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.